Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Michael, better known as the Kaiju Groupie, and with me, as always, is my very good friend, Travis McKaiju Face. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is probably going to throw some people off because the last the 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 two most recent episodes that we're going to be doing, I'm introing us in. So people are wondering what's wrong with Travis. Why is yeah. why is Travis letting Michael drive the ship? And I have a very simple reason for that. I have blackmail on Travis. Yep, yep. There are some photos that exist that Michael has that I would like to can you imagine how bad things would have to be as much as as much as I say stupid stuff on online it would have to be some really bad stuff to really like embarrass me to the point that I I'd have to pay money or give <laughs> give things to people to blackmail <laughs> me <laughs> No, it's fine. There's no blackmail involved. Travis, out of the kindness of his heart, has, has allowed me to do the intro for the last couple of weeks simply because I asked him to and because I needed the practice because the last bonus episode we did uh, for the podcast I did with Elijah and it took me six tries to get the intro correct. Um, so thank you, Travis, for letting me letting me kick off this episode and and maybe hopefully bring in uh, bring in some energy. But oh, yeah, we sure. wanted to put out this special episode because uh, not too was it last week, I think, this issue of Marvel's The Rise of Ultraman number one came out, and we wanted to do a quick review of it was actually two weeks ago. Two I got weeks my ago. I got mine last week because yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yours took a while to come in. Mine, okay. yeah, mine took a while. Although I was, I was promised that it would arrive same day as release. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, let's let's get into our review of this. Um, so just uh, and and we're going to do spoilers. I mean, there's not much to spoil. It's the first issue. Um, but uh, we're going to do spoilers. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Uh, go read the issue, then come back. But it's been two weeks since it came out, so hopefully everybody has had a chance to uh, catch up on it. So Yeah, I assume that everyone who intended on getting the issue has already got their hands on it anyway. Um, and have and it's it's not it's a good size comic, honestly. It's like forty, like four. I didn't sit down and actually count the pages to see if it was see if it was accurate what they were saying. Forty pages of story, but it's a good size little book. I have, um, <clears throat> I have some other single issue comics uh, on my shelf that are ne not even nearly this thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was really good. Um, I'm very surprised because uh, most. Most modern comics nowadays are like twenty-five pages of story, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, this this had a decent size. Um, now it is split among a couple of different things, and we can get into that. Sure. But um, the first half of the book is the main story: the rise of Ultraman. Now, what did you think of this? Well, we were talking um, before before we. Uh started recording we were talking or we mentioned that they do rewrite some of the lore like some of the and 
and I'm sure we'll get into more detail there, but there is, there is some rewriting of a little bit of history in this first issue. And it puts the spotlight on a really, um, unsung hero of the original series. I've the, um, Oh God, her name escapes me. Um, Fuji, Fuji, mm-hmm. Fuji, Fuji seems to be our main protagonist for this issue, at least because mm-hmm. the, the story really revolves around her, uh, and her interact and her working at the USP, not the SSSP. Right. Which, which is also different. Yeah. Yeah. The, this is, I compared this to, uh, the Netflix Ultraman series because they are rewriting some history. They're recreating and redoing some of the ideas of Ultraman, but they're doing it in a new and interesting way. And it's not, it's not bad. It's just different. And, and one thing I do love about characters that have been around as long as like Ultraman or, you know, as long as like a character like Superman is seeing different versions of him. You know, you can always go back and see, your original Ultraman. You can always go and watch the classics. Yeah. Uh, it, they still exist, but it's nice to get a different take on the character every once in a while. And that's what this is. Um, it is set in the modern day. Mm-hmm. And 2020, uh, 2019 or 2020. I can't remember. It's 2020. Either. It's at okay. the top of the page. It says 2020. Um, and uh, it deals with, uh, it, it, you don't really get, a lot of uh, a lot of Ultraman stuff because it just introduces your main characters. It introduces the USP, like you said, which yeah. is the um, United Science Patrol. Yeah, um, and you get a little bit of kaiju action, and that's and then you and then you get at the very end, we're introduced to Shin Hayata, mm-hmm. who in this is not a part of the USP. Is actually yeah. a uh, a reject. Uh, for lack of a better word, uh, he didn't make it into the into the USP, but he gets to go on a mission and finds the crashed ship of Ultraman, mm-hmm. who then merges with him, and that's where the that's where the story ends. Is right. when Shen Hayata and Ultraman meet. So it's almost like uh, it's almost like the original story from 1966. It it ends up in the same it it winds up in the same place. It just takes a little bit of a different path to get there. Yeah, and, and we're definitely going to see a different version of Ultraman than what we've seen. Um, you know, this Ultraman is going to have a lot more personality. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be communicating. Just looking at the preview for the next issue, it's going to yeah. be it's going to be very different. But it's still going to have the hallmarks of what makes Ultraman, Ultraman. Yeah, um, for sure. I didn't think I would like the artwork uh, so much in this because I'm not a huge fan of the modern, uh, modern kind of stylized, not stylized. I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's very. Uh, uh, noodly to me is how I describe it, but I don't know. That's probably not the right. I don't, description. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it noodly or doodly or whatever. It's pretty um, true to life as far as the artwork goes. Now there are, of course, like there are characters in here that feel like caricatures or exaggerations 
of real people. But for the most part, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not disappointed with the artwork. Honestly, I, the artwork seems really, really, uh, really well done. In fact, um, I know it's kind of a weird thing to call out. Like, well, probably not for this issue since this is a lot, since there was a lot of, um, uh, I won't, it, there wasn't a lot of world building, but there was a lot of dialogue between our human protagonists in this issue. And mm -hmm. the, uh, page that I'm looking at now that I wanted to point out was the, um, was the artwork where Shin Hayata and Fuji are having dinner with one another. Oh and, yeah. And, um, I just think that the coloring, everything else is the, the, the actual, the drawings of the, uh, characters themselves, the, the coloring all really well done really well done and and the story is very uh very easy to follow even in their face even if you weren't like super invested in i mean i obviously you have to read the comic to know the story but if you were just kind of skimming through you could still tell what was going on from the way uh from the way these characters are drawn because they're drawn so well and with so much detail yeah yeah the the artwork is very energetic um the thing about the artist uh matt groom uh he works he has done other stuff for marvel so anybody who is used to marvel's kind of the 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 style that you get from a lot of modern marvel books it fits right in with that like this is this is kind of a a modern style of artwork that you get from a lot of, um, especially Marvel comic books. It's not, it's not overly stylized, but it's very energetic. It's, um, it does have the anime esque feel to it. That is, um, a big part of modern artwork. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's good. It's good. I, I, I think the colors are really great. The colorist, um, let me see who did the colors on this. It was Espen, Grun Grundijern? 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 Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to say that last name, but uh, they did an awesome job with the colors because the colors are really great, especially when you see the Ultraman uh, come out of his ship. And, mm, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Ultraman is often described as the hero of light, and this is the perfect representation of that because he's like glowing and just emitting light outwards, and you see those rays of light just shining out from him, and it's it's really great. Now, I have a question because I was I was flipping through, I was reading through the first time, and I'm flipping through today <clears throat> as we're as we're sort of talking about this and reviewing it. Um, I noticed, especially when in the first part of the issue, when, uh, Moriboshi encounters Ultraman in 66 and when Ultraman emerges from his orb of light, uh, later on in the issue, he seems to be talking, right? There's some kind yes. of, there seems to be some kind of alien script, um, happening here. So yeah, yeah. I, I, and I thought that, that was really interesting. Yeah, that is. Um, and, oh, hold on one second. Let me look this up because I, I, I did, sure. I did find out what that is called, and actually what the translation for that is. Um, okay, yeah. So, so what that's called is Ultramanji. Interesting. Okay. Um, it is a. It's it's like a its own little language thing that they that they have. Um, Kyoe Toshi on Twitter. Uh, okay. translated a lot of that 
the or uh, the different pages and panels with Ultramanji in it. Of and course, of course, she did. Yes, because Kyoe is amazing, <laughs> is the best. Um, yeah. And so here's some of the translation. So, um, uh, page three, it says, uh, panel two says, mm -hmm. "Don't worry." Um, in page three, panel three, it says, "I will help you." Uh, mm -hmm. So that's when he's that's when he's with um, Moriboshi. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And then in then the uh, panel four, it says, "No way, that shouldn't be," and that's where it leaves off there. Then we get to page twenty three. Uh, where he says uh, there in that bit of dialogue, I'm injured and need help urgently. Uh -huh. um, that is uh, page 23, panel 2. This right. is where he comes out of the orb and speaks and, and it says, uh, Kiki, open fire, is what... Uh, yes, I'm looking at that now. And then panel 3 of that, um, he says, do not attack, I came to help you. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the the dialogue that was translated. So I, I just I am so happy that Kyoe did that because I was like, oh, that's cool. I mean, you can read it without understanding it and kind of fill in the blanks, but it is actually a language that you can learn and understand. Yeah, but that's super interesting because I was reading through here and I could, you, like you said, you could kind of read through some of the context clues, what's going on or what Ultraman is trying to say. Now, I'm going to be a little bit speculative right here and say that this is a second Ultraman that has come to Earth. This is not the same Ultraman that that hit uh, Moriboshi's uh, ship in the in 1966. And I'm also going to go one step further and say that maybe I cause isn't Moriboshi isn't he Ultra Seven in the series? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he is Ultra Seven. So we've already so we already know that Ultra Seven is going to be showing up in this comic. Yes. Um, so that'll be um, super. That'll be super interesting. If you turn to the preview page, um, which is things to come. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you look at the bottom uh, left-hand corner of that, you will see Ultraman and Ultra Seven locked in a in a duel kind of. Is it a duel or like a, or maybe a a combine or a or a greeting? No, that's that's um that's a wrestling kind of um okay. interlocking like you know interesting yeah yeah that's that's a typical that's a typical um anime manga um pose to mm -hmm. that that people will do because it is um it is the move that uh sumo wrestlers do yeah. when they're interlocking each other to try to push each other out of the way so this is definitely them fighting uh yeah. they're not they're not greeting each other but yeah, yeah so we know we know ultra seven's going to be in it what's the point of that well I'm wondering too, though, because if you look up in the upper, um, well, it's sort of the middle because the the right hand side has rise of, in rise of Ultraman. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you look in like the if you look up where it's supposed to be clouds, like in the heavens, you see the Ultra Brothers. You see Taro and uh, it, Leo, Leo, Taro, and it maybe possibly uh, Father of Ultra. Maybe I don't know. 
or maybe they just because I, I thought that was Leo because because uh, I, I know Taro is the is one of them, um, and then Ultra Seven and regular Ultraman, but the one that's up a little bit higher I, that I said is Leo. Mm-hmm. That is that is possible that it could be Father of Ultra instead. I think it is Father of Ultra because Leo had the um, he didn't have horns; he just had the crown on his oh head. yeah that's right that's right yeah so yeah that could be father ultra although he doesn't have the cape so if it is father of ultra it is a different design for him so that's uh yeah that's interesting um i i have to correct myself a little bit earlier i said the artist was matt groom matt groom's the other writer for the book um it's francesca Ma- uh, mana or mana uh-huh. Gotcha. That's the artist. Um, but I, I do know I've looked him up. I, I looked up his work. He has worked for Marvel before and he's worked on other books at Marvel. So this art style fits in with the the style that Marvel is using for a lot of their books nowadays. It's not it's not wildly different from things that you see in some of the other books. Like like I would I would compare this to like um some of the modern Spider-Man uh books. Right. Now, do you think, uh, <clears throat> is he going to be doing the art for all of these books or for um, all of these issues? This is a limited series. So I'm <clears throat> guessing he is signed on to do all of them. Um, mm-hmm. since this is just a limited series, but, uh, but I, I, I can't guarantee that because sometimes, um, things do happen. They get fill in artists mm-hmm. that does happen from time to time. Right. But I'm guessing that they they have him signed on for all of them. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious. I was just curious. Like, how many issues do you think? Like, I know we're just kind of chit chatting, chit chatting back and forth, but it's fine. This is a bonus episode. How many yeah. issues are we signed up for? Rise of Ultraman. Uh, Marvel. Is it twelve? I want to say there's twelve issues. Um, yeah, I think it's twelve because twelve is your typical run for a okay. for um. So I, I I want to say it was twelve, but I can't be sure right now because I'm trying to look it up and it is not wanting to. Okay, that's fine. Um, five issues. Oh, it's actually only five issues. Really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, now let me double check this because this is this is taken from um, a fan wiki page, um, but they do cite a uh, a source for that information. So let me. Interesting. Now let me ask you while we're on this while we're sort of on the oh, subject. Yeah. It, okay. Sorry. It comes directly from. Uh, Kyle Higgins, the writer, um, okay. that, it, that it's only going to be five issues. So yeah, so five issues for this. Okay, well that's, well then they're going to have to pick up the pace fairly quickly then, I, I assume. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. Now we just, we we kind of glossed over early in the earlier in the in the conversation where uh, Shin Hayata is, is a, a USP reject. And that's a really interesting, that's really interesting because this sets him up to be sort of, um, uh, sort of the rogue, sort of, a sort of the, the, not necessarily an anti-hero, but sort of a rogue hero, um, mm-hmm. like not directly connected with the USP, but has merged with Ultraman to, uh, be sort of this hero on his own, which is which is really intriguing to me. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's an interesting take on the character um, because you know Shin Hayata in the in your classic Ultraman, he is um, you know he is a member of the team already, and he is your uh, atypical hero. You know, Mm -hmm. he is he is this noble hero who is always doing good. Um, So seeing him kind of be more of a roguish kind of person and 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 uh care have more roguish character traits mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah he's kind of um he's got he's got some charisma you can tell that he's um for lack of a better for lack of a better phrase full of himself mm-hmm. uh, which is which is really interesting because i think that he's gonna have to go now on his own character journey his own you know his own hero his own hero's journey that's probably going to humble him a little bit because that's, that's sort of the way I can see this going. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that's the way I I see it going too. Um, I did want to ask you now we did get one of the Kaiju, uh, in that main story Mm -hmm. and it looks familiar to me, but for the life of me, I cannot put my finger on which Kaiju it is. Uh, it's not, Hang on, um, cut this out because I have to look it up because I don't. Okay. There are so many of them. Uh, let's see, Ultra Kaiju. Because he, it's one of the famous. It's one of the really well-known ones. So. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It looked familiar, but I couldn't. Give me just a second because I can. I should be able to find it fairly quickly. Uh, all of them. A. Let's see. Kaiju Teleston? Yes, that's it. Okay. Okay, it was Teleston. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. And then that one is, if I'm not mistaken, um, in the series, he is an electric, like a, he has electrified powers. Or, mm-hmm. maybe, or maybe he's the one, because he looks very similar to another uh, Ultra Kaiju that has uh, the power of invisibility. Oh, yeah, no, that one's, um, that's a different one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This one, um, this is one that appeared and he appeared in, uh, episode four of Ultraman Z too. Mm -hmm. He did. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, he has electric powers. He, uh, doesn't, he's not the one that turns invisible because that's the one that, um, that's a different one. Yeah. But yeah, okay, okay. So now I know which one. Telestan, Telestan, or however you say that name, is the is the kaiju that they are fighting here. So, um, seeing it not be a giant monster, it looks more human or human sized. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. It is. It is. And I'm wondering if they might. Um, I'm wondering if they may expand expand on that to where they have different like um sort of like how pacific rim had classes of kaiju mm-hmm. i'm wondering if they're gonna do this like if they're gonna say this is a class a or a class b or 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 a uh, or or a or a, a, a c type right. or, or something you know what i mean you know what i mean yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah i'm wondering if they might do that and it's interesting also because of him being human size and i'm sure we'll get into this later on but the ultra q uh, comic has a kaiju in it too, and a very familiar kaiju. Right. So, 
that part was really interesting that that they also included that kaiju in as a um as a human size sort of a human size monster as well uh mm-hmm. so so he's not necessarily a daikaiju which would be which would you know which would classify him as a giant monster but he's just a kaiju he's just a a, a strange beast he's just a strange right. monster so i thought that was really interesting and i'm wondering if they'll expand on that like they'll have different types of kaiju like the or like, maybe they can grow giant maybe Maybe, uh, yeah, because we do know that Ultraman, at least in his regular form, is giant. Because when mm-hmm. he comes out that orb ship thing, he is massive. Right. Um, but we also have seen in previews for future issues that the that after him and uh Hayata merge, that he is in human or a, he is human sized at least at some point. So yeah, which is not uncommon, which is not uncommon because, um, um, oh, what is the, what is the, what is the, uh, the kaiju in like episode two of 66, uh, Bolton. There we go. Oh yeah. Bolton. Yeah. Bolton started out as human size and he grew and then he grew. So it's not out of precedent to have a kaiju start out smaller and then get bigger for some, for some reason, uh, based on yeah. pseudoscience or, or whatever. So. Well, let, let's let's get into some more of this issue because I, I do want to go ahead and move on into the next segment. Yeah, so, um, the Pigmon segments, the what's ah. called Kaiju Steps, they're yeah. they're cute, they're interesting. I have a feeling they're going to play into the overall story, but I kind of skimmed through them. They were interesting to me. Yeah, I just kind of skimmed through them. Also, I, I want to sit here and, and say that I, I that I read them all, but I didn't. Um, they're cute. Yeah. They're just sort of, they're fun little illustrations. They remind me a lot of, um, uh, what's the, uh, the old, the old Archie comics. That's what they sort oh, of yeah. remind me of. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, I just didn't find them all that interesting enough to, to sit down and actually pay attention to them. So I just sort of skimmed over those. Yeah. There's a few things in the last one that in the book that makes me think that, this is going to play a bigger part than what we might think uh, in the overall story. But for the most part, it's just, it's just a silly, cute little thing. And so I just kind of skimmed through them. Um, So let's just get into the ultra Q section of the book. Now this goes back to 1954 and it looks like it's, the story is exploring the origins of the USP Mm -hmm. and actually going to talk about some of the, um, some of the family members of some of the main cast. Cause I think the parents of uh, Fuji are in this, either Fuji or one of the other characters they, one of the characters in this ultra Q has the same name as one of the characters in the modern day story. Um, so I think it just shows that, you know, like that they're kind of like a legacy Um you know, that they that this is a legacy in their family. Well, it if I'm not mistaken, when Fuji and Hayata were talking about her being accepted and him not being accepted, doesn't she throw out a line where, you know, it's sort of it's like sort of expected for her to to have made it or something like that? Am I wrong in remembering that? Yeah, I, I'm wanting to say it was somewhere in the book that that uh, they say her 
her parents or something yeah. were a part of it. Um, I can't remember if it was if it was that or if it was when she was talking to um, like the 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 director or whatever mm-hmm. earlier in the book. Um, but at some point, I know they said it. So so like I said, this is the Ultra Q seems to not only be exploring uh, the the origins of the USP, but also the kind of legacy that mm-hmm. these you know family yeah. members have um now as far as the art is concerned mm-hmm. i want to talk about the art here now the art here is by mike cho i mm-hmm. uh love mike cho's art mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I i love it when in, in anything that i've ever seen it in i've seen him do artwork in other books um i always enjoy his art style and I know you're not a big comic book fan, um, mm-hmm. and you've never really been huge in the comic book, so you probably um, aren't as familiar. But this art style here, it's very reminiscent of Darwin Cook, a, a, a um, comic book artist by the name of Darwin Cook, who passed away a few years ago. Right. Um and his art style was always my favorite. He did, and you can look this up if you know whenever you have time. He did uh, Justice League New Frontier or, or okay. DC DC's New Frontier. Um, okay. It it is it he uh, Darwin Cook. Basically, what happened was in the nineteen in the fifty early fifties to the early sixties, uh, superheroes kind of fell out of favor. And a lot of comic books, uh, a lot of superhero comics were canceled. Um, basically, the only ones that were stu- that stuck around were uh, Batman, Superman, and so during that time period, um, Western comics and uh, like detective comics, romance comics, those are the were the more popular ones. Um, and then in the '60s, superheroes suddenly had a resurgence. Mm-hmm. And so what Darwin Cook did was with DC New Frontier, which was this miniseries, was to kind of uh, write a story that tells within the universe of the superheroes why that happened. Now, you know, real world, what happened was after World War II ended, people just lost interest in superheroes. But he tried to, you know, within the universe of these right. superheroes tried to explain why the 1950s there was no superheroes and then all of a sudden 1960s there was again and so he was kind of bridging the gap but his art style is very is, is like this michael chose it, it's it's a throwback to the silver age style of art okay um silver age is that time period was from like the the 60s through the uh, through the 70s is mm-hmm. the silver age of comic books okay. and this art style is very reminiscent of that and i am here for it i love old school comic <laughs> books and i love old school style of art would you have liked to have seen the entire comic done up like this um i think it fits because so much of the because this is a period piece mm-hmm I mm-hmm. don't think that art style would have worked in a more modern setting. Gotcha. Um, not for the not for the type of story that they're telling in the first half of the book. Like th- this works for like if you want to use it for a a modern story, you'd have to make it kind of like a neo noir mm-hmm. uh, type story. And and the the Ultraman story that we're getting is not 
yeah noir at all it has no sense of noir so yeah it, it really works for what they're doing here this set in the past old school black and white almost style um right. detective type story and i i just i love it yeah i mean it's it's uh, look this i love the story the story is really interesting because it's got that little bit of a, it's got that little plot twist at the end uh, mm-hmm. that I was not quite expecting. Um, just because, you know, I like it when, when people, I like it when things can subvert my expectations. Uh, and this, this little, this story only spans, Oh, I don't know, like maybe three or four pages, but I found it really, I found it more interesting than even some of the dialogue in the in the mainline story for this comic oh yeah and and this is not saying anything bad about the ultraman um the the main story but i am definitely going to be more interested in seeing how the ultra q story develops than i am the because I, i i like like we were saying we kind of can see where the story uh of ultraman and shin hayata where all that is going with yeah. this Ultra Q story, I don't know where this is going, and I, that's that's intriguing to me. Um, yeah. The monster that w- you mentioned earlier that is a very familiar monster that they face off in this uh, part of the story uh, is uh, uh, Bimular. It is, it is, but it's a very, it's a much smaller Bimular. I was incorrect in saying it was human size. It, it's it's much bigger than than a human size, but it's still not as large as as it was in the original Ultraman show. Right. Uh, it looks to be probably about like nine foot, 10 foot tall. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, which, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see like a classic character come back like that. And at the end of it, when they defeat him and he swims off, that just sort of, rem- that just sort of gives me the idea that he's going to go off somewhere and grow and get bigger. And now, and then he'll return one day and mm-hmm. um and Ultraman has to has to destroy him. So that's just that's how I can that's how I see that that story going and how this little mini how this mini sode, this this mini comic within a comic here, this ultra Q story ties into the overarching story that we're that we're probably going to be reading over the next five months. Yeah, yeah. And in fact in that um preview of what's to come we see bimular um mm-hmm. we did you know so it, it's yeah i'm interested to see uh how he comes back in what capacity uh what what he's going to look like all that kind of stuff so um now i know you said this is going to be a spoilery spoilery review uh mm-hmm. so do you want to dive straight into the plot twist at the end well, I mean, we don't really know what this means other than one of the members who helps found the USP is mm-hmm. is working for a group of somebody's working for another uh, group that is trying to infiltrate yeah. this organization and basically infiltrate Earth. Yeah, yeah. And then when when she's discovered, she eliminates the person who discovers her her secret (laughs) right yeah i mean it's um yeah so 
it's a, it was an interesting plot twist for sure because you've got uh you've got these 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 three random people that show up to save our protagonists um and mm-hmm. it turns out that one of them or all of them are potentially aliens well not all of them because the one that she kills is one of the other three that was there uh, oh that's right that's right that's right yeah 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 yes, so yes. it looks like she was the only one yes okay um so yeah so the idea of the usp is it was it started out as there was just a bunch of uh groups of people from all around the world who were researching and investigating these alien monster interdimensional whatever you want to call them uh these creatures that kept appearing on earth and they decided hey it it doesn't make sense. We're all researching the same thing. Let's unite together right. and make one organization so we can all share information with each other and possibly, you know, help solve this problem. And so that's the birth of the USP is what we're seeing here. And I like that the whatever being that she is communicating with, that's her superiors, they're saying that this is going to be. Uh, fortunate for them because it's much easier to infiltrate one large organization than many smaller ones. So it's actually going to be working towards their benefit. So yeah, this yeah. is so there's so and and we get kind of a similar vibe in the Ultraman anime, uh, the Netflix anime, because you get the sense that the organization, the SSSP, is actually now being guided or infiltrated by a group that's not serving humans best interests yeah it's i like the, i i like that because it's 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 a good way to i think it's i think it's a good way to subvert expectations mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's really good so i'm excited to see this story i mean just like i said i there's not there's nothing negative i can say about the ultra q section i love the art style i love that it's a period piece. I love the story they're building. I love the mood that they're, that they've, you know, kind of captured here. It's just so good. Yeah. And it's really hard to judge something like this on its first issue Mm -hmm. because we're left with so many questions and so many cliffhangers. Um, so it's just going to be really hard to judge it until we're, we're not going to get probably a really good idea of what we're in for until maybe the next issue. Yeah. Um, so speculation, speculation time. Sure. I think, I really think that we're going to find out that the, uh, USP has Moriboshi and ultra seven, uh, locked up somewhere and is experimenting on him. Interesting. And that the whole idea, because like they have a statue of him, like in memory of him, and yes. all this kind of stuff. Like, I, like I think this whole idea of this tragedy, this missing person that they mm-hmm. were never able to find, never able to explain the missing, uh, you know, agent. I think all of that's a cover because there's hints to like, wait, where where is this technology coming from? How do they have this technology? How does it work? We don't, we can't. No one's explaining why. Or, or how they have all this advanced technology. And I think it's because they have a captured Ultraman. And I they've think, been experimenting on him. I think so. So um, are, are we saying that 
when Ultra 7 and Ultra Man come into conflict, it's because Ultra 7 somehow escapes and sees Ultra Man and the USP as his enemy? Uh, yeah, could be. I also, I, I and, and one of the things that leans into this idea is in um, the preview for next issue, the actual preview for next issue, it mm-hmm. says the histories of two worlds, the experience of two lives, and the destinies of two heroes must co- uh, reconcile as Ultra and Man struggle to become one and if they don't, neither will survive. And as Shin fights for his life, Kiki searches for a way to save him, a search that will bring her one step closer to the dark secret of 1966. And the thing that happened in 1966 was Moroboshi, you know, his ship was destroyed by this, this Ultraman, and he went missing. Well, what is why would that be considered a dark secret if he if all that happened was he disappeared? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I that's that's just some speculation on my part. <laughs> yeah, he's in the basement somewhere, tied up or something. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that I think you're right on the money there. I think we're gonna find out maybe in the next issue or um <clears throat> in the next issue or maybe the issue after that the USP has been you know, has had probably has probably had Moroboshi in suspended animation for this long a time and has been using, you know, his DNA and his and the technology that they discovered along with him to build the USB to build the technology. I, th- I think you're right on the money. It's uh, th- like I said, it's really difficult to judge it from this first issue, because like I said, there's just a whole lot of questions that are unanswered that we probably won't get answers to until at least issue two or issue three. Um, so yeah, first issues are, are typical, are really difficult. I would assume to, uh, since I'm not a big comic book fan, um, are difficult. It's difficult to judge an entire series or an entire storyline based on the first issue. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but, but it's enough to keep me intrigued is enough to keep me coming back for more. Yeah. I've already got issue two pre-ordered. So yeah, that should be fun. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if issue two is up or not issue two. I don't know if issue three is already up for pre-order. I think think it is. Yeah. I think, think I I think the first three are up for pre-order. Okay. All right. So I need to go grab issue three now just to make sure. Um, so Travis, where can folks find, uh, where do you know of a, a definite place that folks can find this comic if they've not read it yet? Uh, I mean for me, cause I'm a digital person. I, I can't, I, I, not that I don't like physical media. I just, I, I don't have room for any more physical media. Sure, um, sure. so comiXology um, or Marvel's uh, app that they have. Um, you can go to marvel.com and they. you can also order it from there. Um, if it's uh, available, they'll also point you in directions if you want physical media. Um, I One of the U.S.-based uh, comic book shops that I really enjoy ordering from is uh, Midtown Comics. So mm-hmm. if, if, But they do sell out fast. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's who I ordered issue number two from was Midtown. Yeah, and they are really good. They're one of the largest, most established comic book um, shops in the country. 
um, probably in the world. Uh, and I, I've been to one of their locations. They actually have three locations in New York City, and I've been to one of them, and it's really great. Um, the guys there are really nice too. So, so I, I you know, it's it's not like you're uh, a comic book shop where the guys who run it are kind of, you know. You know what I mean, um, oh, I but but, uh, but I like the guys who run Midtown too. They're really nice. Um, so yeah, they that would be a place. Um, but like I said, because it's such a large uh, shop and it's such a large, well-known place, they do sell out fast. So you can order online and just you know, but you have to be uh, quick about it. <laughs> right, right, right. To get it. And unless you, and I would suggest honestly. Um, now I ordered issue two for Midtown. Um, I may, I may go, I may go local for issue number three and the rest of the series, because I think it's important to support your local shops and support your local vendors. Uh, so I would, I would encourage anyone out there listening that if you plan on picking up issue, if you've not pre-ordered issue two or three yet, and you plan on getting them after reading issue one, I would definitely call around to one of your local shops and see if they can't order it for you just so right. that you're putting that that money back into your, into your local, into your local. Right. Now, as far as I know, I, I, I'm not sure how things are going now with COVID, but it may be too late to order, to have your comic shop, your local comic shop order issue two, because Mm -hmm. the way the comic book industry works typically is you have to order three or four months in advance okay um the the shop has to um so if unless they were already planning on ordering issues if like like my local shop my local shop only gets the ones that they know people want um and because it's such a small shop so unless you tell them ahead of time that that you know you want this issue they may not order it um bigger shops you know will order at least one or two issues of things if they think they can sell them but uh so it may be if if your shop wasn't already ordering issue two it may be too late for them to order it now but issue three i think you still have time to order so if you if you think your shop may not have issue three or may not have ordered it go ahead and you know, tell your shop that you, you want them to order a physical copy of it. Uh, and then they will have it, you know, on order for you. Yeah. Um, it's one of, it's one of the downsides of the comic book industry. It's not a great thing. It's not, it's not something that's, uh, it's something that needs to change, but it's until it does, it's just the way things are that they, they, that comic books, company the, the the distribution of comic books works on a pre-order basis and so yeah you have to pre-order it ahead of time to make sure that it gets counted and it and you get it um so yeah anyway but that's that's just that's here neither here nor there. that's a whole discussion that's not this is not the podcast for that <laughs> um travis do you want to go ahead since i, I know do you want to go ahead and give a Godzuki score for this issue or do you want to wait till we've read the entire series? Um, we can, we can give a Godzuki score for this issue and then, and then at the end of it all, we can give it for the whole, you know, the overall series. Um, so yeah, uh, I would give this a four out of five Godzuki's. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I especially enjoyed the ultra Q part, like I said, but, uh, even the modern day Ultraman I enjoyed. So yeah, I give it a four out of five. 
Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I'm going to go ahead and give it a four, a four out of five Godzukis also, um, simply because I'm new to comics. Uh, honestly, I, this is my third. No, f- I don't know, like my fifth or sixth comic that I bought in the last three months. And I'm not a huge comic book guy, but I'm trying to be a, a, a comic book person uh, because I feel like there's a lot of stories and things that I'm missing out on. Um but simply because I find the rewriting of some of the lore really interesting. I'm glad they did not go beat for beat from what we saw in the 1966 uh, Ultraman series. And I like our human protagonists. I, 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 I'm even on this first issue, I'm intrigued by them. I'm intrigued by their backstory. Um, and I think you know, based on some of the ultra Q, some of the ultra Q stuff, I think we're going to be in for a really wild ride and I, and I'm looking forward to it all being tied together. So yeah, just first impressions on this first, uh, with this first issue in mind, I'm going to go ahead and give it a four out of five. Yeah. And this is, uh, just to let everyone know a bonus episode. If you're listening to this and you are not subscribed to uh, our podcast, please check it out. Kaiju Weekly uh, on Apple, on Spotify, on any place where you find your uh, giant monster podcasts. And uh, also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter and uh, everywhere else. Uh, we're Kaiju Weekly, pretty much everywhere, or Kaiju Weekly Pod, you'll find us. And yep. Kaiju Groupie is yep. Michael. So check us out. Yep. Follow me on uh, Twitter at uh, Kaiju Groupie Pod, although I am going to be taking a few weeks off uh, from the social medias uh, to catch up on some other priorities I hear or I have uh, outside of the fandom. But you can, but I, if you send me a message or you tweet at me, I will catch back up with you as soon as I can. Uh, I'm also Kaiju Groupie. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm also the Kaiju Groupie on Instagram. And also, if you're looking for a great Facebook group to stay connected to other Kaiju and Tokusatsu fans just like you, uh, go join the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. There's going to be a link to all that stuff in the show notes for this uh, bonus episode. And we hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah. And we will be back again next month. This is a... Uh... This is uh, uh, going to be monthly. We're going to be trying to do monthly bonus episodes. So we'll be back next month with another bonus episode. <laughs>